it feels like the chorus uh, that we are hearing as we all marching into heaven. Amen? Man, that's a, that's a glorious, glorious experience to, uh, to one day to see Jesus face to face. I pray today that um, I'm not going to call you to obedience. Rather, the king is going to summon you to glory. The king will summon you. Broadcasting worldwide over CNN, Larry King has been voted the most remarkable talk show host on TV ever. Throughout his five-decade career, Larry King has interviewed over 40,000 people. Raised in a Brooklyn Jewish home, he remarked once that the one interview he would most like to land is with God himself. That's Larry for you. If this happened, he said, he would ask God just one simple question. Do you really have a son? Do you really have a son? If you have a copy of God's Word, won't you please stand with me and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Do you have a son? Today, in this preaching hour, we're going to brag about God's son. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, and I'll read from verse number 1 to verse number 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Father, this is your word. I pray we will make much of it. I pray, Spirit of the living God, quicken our hearts to respond to the king's summons this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. If you're watching online, we're glad that you can tune in, and uh, I pray our time together will be a blessed one. Who is Jesus Christ is a question we much often ask ourselves, and me being in the Northeast for 10 years, to many people we ask this question, who is Jesus Christ to you? And I will not quote or make mention of the various answers we got. But there was a common answer whenever we asked people, who is Jesus Christ? He is a good person, is the answer. Jesus Christ? Oh yeah, he's a good person. On the onset of our time together, my dear brothers and sisters, if you are following Jesus, 
because he's a good person, you have fallen short. And if you are following Jesus because he is a good moral model, how to be a good person, you are falling short. Who is Jesus Christ? He is the son of the living God. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the fairest of 10,000. He is the great I am. He is not only I am in the Old Testament, he is I am right now and he is I am always because he said, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. I am, I am, I am. That's who Jesus is. And if you want to follow Jesus at any reason, for any reason, follow him because he's God's son. Follow him because he's the ultimate sacrifice. Follow him because he died and rose again on the third day so you and I can live. So the writer of Hebrews is going straight into the answer of God's son, the supremacy of God's son. And today I've entitled this sermon, Our Worship, his majesty. Worship his majesty. And the deity of Jesus. And this one verse long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. I believe in this is one of the most magnificent passages of all scripture compared to Genesis chapter 1 and also in John chapter 1. I believe this goes straight to the answer, who is God's son? For as king, Jesus represents God to us. For as priest, he represents us to God. So if you want to follow Jesus for any other reason, you have missed the mark. Jesus is God's son. If you all, I said before, if all you see in Jesus is a carpenter, He'll surely fix your house. If you see him as savior, he will take you to eternity. And many of us follow Jesus for what we can get from him. My dear friends, if anyone in this room wants every answer prayer uh, to, to come direct from Jesus, you and I cannot contain the blessings of Jesus. Ask the disciples. The nets began to break when Jesus gets involved. So don't follow Jesus for fish and for loaves. Follow Jesus because he's truly the son of God. That he is alive today. And Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 1 to 4 draws our hearts to worship in light of the radiant majesty, the unrivaled power of Jesus Christ. I pray today our time will be a rich one. And I ask you today, and I implore you today, the king summons you to glory. The king summons you to come and worship. The king of kings and lord of lords. He has a name and his name is Jesus. The first thing we look in this text is that Jesus, his word is final. His word is final. Right there in verse number one, God spoke. Long ago, God spoke. If God spoke, then he must be a person. And if he's a person for him to speak, he must be alive. So there's a living God and he's speaking. 
God spoke, the Bible says, to our fathers by the prophets, but in the last day he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The first thing, when we look at God's word in, 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 in this text, his word is final and God spoke. Do you know, God spoke into creation. Genesis chapter 1 teaches us, and God said, let there be light. And there was, I love the Olympics. I look forward to the Olympics every four years. I love when the, the athletes are parading. And it's so exciting, and they have an opening ceremony. Hey, guys, how's this for an opening ceremony? It's dark, let there be light. He didn't flex his muscles. He just spoke. Why I'm pointing to that? Because everything you look around, God created. He is our creator God. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, if he created the beautiful sunrise, look around you, he created you. And the Bible teaches us, Paul writes Ephesians 2.10, that you are a masterpiece. So don't let anyone tell you you came from evolution or from whatever source. Look at God's word. God created you. He has made you to be like him, and you are his masterpiece. This is truth that I'm holding. Don't believe the lies of this world. God created everything that exists. God created. Well, where is Jesus? Well, Jesus was there. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they are one. Look at what John chapter 1 and verse number 1 to 3 reminds us. Look at, that, uh, look at this verse. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word, uh, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing, look, nothing was to be made. We look at culture today, and everyone's teaching us of creation coming in different places and forms. There's no Big Bang. There was darkness, and God said, let there be light. And God spoke this world into existence, and Jesus was there. The supremacy of God's Son. Colossians, Paul writes in verse number 1 and verse number 16. Chapter 1, verse number 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, and for him. So Jesus Christ, he would throw the stars into place with his very hands. Are those same hands that was pierced with those nails? Those same hands to reconcile the world to himself, and by the way, the world that he created. If God created something, it's his. And sin has taken us away from who God is. And God said, you are mine. I'll pay the price and I'll buy you back. Octavius Winslow, a 19th century evangelical preacher known as the Pilgrim's Companion, 
This is what he wrote, and I quote, So completely was Jesus bent upon saving sinners by the sacrificing of himself, he created the tree upon which he was to die. He nurtured from infancy the very men who were to nail him to that accursed wood, unquote. Did you ever find a king who will create a tree, nurture those Romans for him to come die on that very wood so you and I can be with him? His name is Jesus. So Jesus spoke into creation. And also it says Jesus spoke into prophecy. Christmas is soon coming. Every one of us will read Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6 and 7. For unto us a son is born, a child is born, a son is given, right? That's prophecy. Everyone in the Old Testament was pointing to someone. And that someone has a name. Help me, church. His name is? The Word of God was pointing to the Word of God, who is the Son of God. And as you read the Old Testament, look at the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12. And throughout Scripture, they're talking about someone who's coming, someone who's coming, someone who's coming. So the Old Testament canon was written. Then there was 600 years of silence. And then the New Testament. Imagine watching the first season, the Old Testament, and the sequel is coming 600 years later. I mean, Netflix will go out of business. A crazy man shows up after 600 years of silence named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What John the Baptist is saying, Behold, the King is here. So all those prophecies were pointing to a person. And sometimes events in our lives cause us to wonder if God is as good as his promises. How many times we doubt God? God, are you really good as your promise? Let me tell you, he said he's coming, and he came. And let me tell you one more time, he's coming back. Oh, he's coming back. I know it's a long wait, but he's coming back. He's coming back to take us to be with him. So this Jesus, the Son of God, speaks into creation. He spoke and things came into being. He spoke through prophets and then also he speaks into life. He speaks into life. John chapter 6, verse number 66 to 70, we pick up a conversation with Peter and Jesus. Uh, Peter got it right this time. He got it wrong many times, but this time he got it right. Listen to this conversation that Peter has with Jesus. John chapter 6 and verse number 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Let me ask you, my friends, who can you and I turn to? There's nobody can love like Jesus. 
There's nobody can be patient like Jesus. There's no one can be forgiving like Jesus. And I'm here to remind you that he is life. So Peter is asking, where shall we go? In your distress, run to Jesus. He has a word for you. In your pain, run to Jesus. In your joy, run to Jesus. You know, we can look at the word of God. The word of Jesus deconstructs our self-sufficiency. Anytime we think we can do it alone, we read God's word and he points us to him. God still speaks through his word. He's still pointing you to his word. And all this is, is just a love letter from King Jesus. And every time we read God's word, it's reminding us to live like Jesus. I'm telling you, my friends, every time we look into God's word, he speaks life. And one of the things that we are sorely missing, we lack the practice of forgiveness. Because when God's word speaks to you, he's calling you to go and forgive someone. You're like, I, I ain't doing that. That's why the word of God is closed in so many homes. Because God calls us to do things we cannot do on our own strength. And today, if he's asking you to make that call, call someone because Jesus loves that person as much as he loved you. You can take all your knowledge about the Bible. Take all your knowledge about the Bible. It will only end in being applicable to what you know. I'm so glad that there's no memory verse competition at heaven. I'm so glad. Or else I'll fail. <laughs> I'll make it. Spurgeon says about the word of God, I quote, an ounce of heart knowledge is worth a ton of head knowledge. When last did God really, and you really have a conversation through God's word, and you say, you know what, I found God's word. I'm going to sell everything I had because I found treasure. I tell you what, my friends, the Bible has become boring to us. Because the very, very word of Jesus deconstructs us from our self-sufficiency. That is why Hebrews chapter 4, and that's the one verse we quote a lot in 11 and 12, the word of God is living and active, sharper, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts of intent, intentions of the heart. We quote that verse all the time. Oh, the word of God is sharp, but for somebody else, not for me. The word is described as dynamic and powerful and sharp and cutting and piercing. When that same word of God, picks, you pick it up and it calls you to action, the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, is quickening your heart to respond because we call that conviction. Our King still speaks. 
the Word of God opens our heart as an open book and offends us, brings us to accountability. After all, He can do that. He is King Jesus and we are not. So His Word is final he spoke, but look at what verse number 3 says. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. The radiance, the radiance of the glory of God. So Jesus Christ came. I always like to make this analogy. Jesus Christ came to make His Father our Father. That is why when the disciples asked him, teach us how to pray, what was the first lines? Our Father, collective pronoun. That means Jesus, your Father and my Father are the same. So John chapter 1 verse number 18 says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So Jesus Christ came to reveal in all radiance the glory of God the Father. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. The exact, not a fake. Exact. Do you know why exact? Because when Jesus walked the face of the earth, he was very God of very God. In the flesh. To the initial readers, this language would have been reminiscent of an impression placed on an image as on a coin. He is the exact imprint of God. Exactly. So let me join, ask you to join me on another conversation Jesus has, this time with Philip. This time with Philip. Philip's conversation with Jesus is found in John chapter 14, verse number 8 to 11. Now at many times in funerals, we will quote John chapter 14 and verse number 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We go to the text. But let me tell you the context of it as you read further. Philip said to him, John 14, verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account for the works themselves. Larry King, read God's word. Jesus is more than a good person. Jesus Christ came to show us the Father because He is the exact imprint of the Father. But guess what this world does? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4.4. He says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Let me tell you, when you know Jesus, you know the Father. The very God who created the heavens and the earth 
When you bow down in prayer and say, Dear Jesus, I come to you in the name. Uh, Dear Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. You got the entire creator God's attention, full attention. And you can have a relationship with him. We call that coming to him. We call that salvation. When you, when you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. You came to die for me. I can't go to the Father. You died in my place and you rose again on the third day so that I can call your Father my Father. And you go tell everyone, well, I just made that decision. Guess what? Jesus' daddy is my daddy. Call that baptism. Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's a life. In the book of Hebrews, and these, these words always is woven through the scripture in Hebrews, as prophet, Jesus is the truth of the Father. His word is made flesh. As a priest, Jesus is the way to the Father. He is both the sacrifice for our sins and the mediator of the new covenant. As king, Jesus is a life from the sovereign giver of life. Can you see I am the way, the truth, and the life? Prophet brings truth. The way the priest brings, life the king brings. And so Jesus is a true son of God who came to bring us to the Father so we can spend eternity with him. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. And so now he's at the right hand of God the Father on high. I think Jesus completed his assignment, what the Father sent him. Hey, how many of you, I asked the first service, there were a couple of takers in the first service. How many of you watched Queen Elizabeth II's coronation on 2nd June, 1953? Anybody? Oh, oh, wow. You are a couple, yeah? Anybody middle school? There was a queen. Her name was Elizabeth II. Uh, yeah, YouTube, YouTube. A couple years ago, Desh and I went to London, uh, and, uh, and so she wanted to go and uh, see the very chariot that Queen Elizabeth rode. I'm like, why? There's football, there's a... I, I guess that's what... Anyway, uh, so needless to say, I, we went and bought tickets, wanted to see the chariot. I was blown away. I am super fidgety. I was in Harlan's office a couple of weeks ago. I'm touching his family picture. I dropped the, the frame. <laughs> I'm just very fidgety. I'm trying, I mean, let me tell you, the wheels were of gold, solid gold. And I'm like, oh, man, there's, those guys don't move. They just stand there. I'm like, let's see if they move. Oh, yeah, they, they just looked at me. I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I watch it on YouTube. What a parade. But this year, on May the 6th, after 70 years, King Charles III was coronated, and now he's a king. Nothing compares to this king. Let me say it again. No other coronation in this world matters and is like this king. But let me tell you in scripture how this king went. This is the coronation. After making purifications for sins, what happens to Jesus? He was pierced, bleeding, wounded, 
After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand, uh, at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is what the throne room looks like, guys. The throne room looks like blood-stained footprints to the throne. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, entered his throne bleeding, bruised. And if you and I today can follow those footprints, we can be with him. You're talking about a coronation? Jesus is way better than the angels. Jesus is way better than the prophets. He is a way better sacrifice. That is why in the Old Testament, the priests will bring, the, the family will bring the sacrifice in the outer court, and they will be gone, and then he goes to the holy place, and then he goes to the most holy place. Mark chapter 15 says, the curtain has been torn down. You and I can follow those blood-stained footprints straight into the holy of holies and be with King Jesus. Because Jesus is declared way superior than any monarch in his given world. At the right hand is a place of power. At the right hand is a place of authority. At the right hand is a place of honor. At the right hand is also a place of subordination to the Father. That's where Jesus is at. And he wants you to be with him. That's a coronation. So he's a victorious savior. He's not just a defeated martyr. He is king. He's a ruler of it all. His name is Jesus. And he's asking you today, can you take one step towards the bloodstained footsteps to be with Jesus? This king is more than a good person. His name is Jesus. And today he summons us. He summons us to worship. He calls us the one who gave his life for you. He summons us to worship. And give our worship to him. Because all our worship is due to him. Seated at the right hand of God the Father. But guess what we have done? Look at what chapter 2 and verse number 1 reads. This God who is a creator, this God who spoke to prophets, this God who spoke life, this God who gave his life, this God is bigger than a, higher than a prophet, higher is a high priest, is higher than any other king. He's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Look at what verse Chapter 2 and verse number 1 reads of Hebrews. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. There's a lot of Jesus wannabes. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Notice the word is neglect. The word is not reject. If we reject the truth, we don't know him. 
If we neglect the truth, we know him, but just don't care. You see the difference? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard that while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Do you know why? Time with God's word has become boring. Time with God's word has become stale news. Time with God's word is calling me to do things I don't want to do. So shut God's word down and start to this what you call neglect. We neglect the truth anymore. I, I, I just don't want to listen to you because I did all that you asked me to do and you fell short. Wrong. So today Jesus summons you to glory. Aren't you glad we don't live in the Old Testament where Moses gave rules? You break one rule, you're done. Moses gave rules. Jesus gave rest. Moses gave rules, Jesus gave rest. And so this drifting away talks about we need an anchor. We need an anchor, an anchor that we can know in all confidence, which is the promises of God, that we will not be shaken. And the one truth I'm driving home today, that Jesus will never, ever change who he said he is. He will be the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hold on to that anchor because he will never change. That's what he's calling about. That's what he's saying. But we neglect God's word. We neglect his promises. We neglect, we neglect, we neglect. Why? Well, I have enough knowledge of how, who God is. Why do I need to study God's word more? When you neglect the king, when you have neglect the king, you have lost your way to the throne. And today, I'm asking you today, in Jesus' name, as John comes, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you. I'm begging you. The king summons you to follow his blood-stained footsteps into the throne room of God. And I'm just telling you, if you're looking for a church, this church is a place where Jesus is king, his word will be preached, and our reach is from the nations, right? From the neighbors, right to the nations. Jesus, our king here, we are all just his servants. So I'm asking you today, in the name, on behalf of our king, can you take footsteps on those bloodstained footsteps to the throne room of God? Jesus is here. The King is here. He summons us to worship.